Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My name's Amanda Schager. Joined in the studio today with Gary Nabhan. He's the director for the New Center for Regional Food Studies, and it's largely through Professor Nabhan's efforts that Tucson has become the first city in the United States to be recognized as a UNESCO World City of Gastronomy. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here with you, Amanda. What does that all mean? Why is that so amazing? Well, gastronomy is kind of a geeky word. So if I were to break it down, I'd say we're recognized as a city of food cultures because we have not just the Hispanic and Native American and Anglo cowboy influences in what we eat and grow here, but we have all these incredible ethnicities of immigrants that have joined us in this Tucson uh, community, sometimes because they're fleeing something terrible and sometimes because of the attractions here that have even enriched our city more. So I'm just so proud of Tucson to be the first city in North America to receive this recognition in only one of eight cities in the United States to be part of the UNESCO Creative Cities Network. Well, tell me more. What is UNESCO's Creative Cities Network? It's really a network of exchange between cities around the world that want to see innovations in their local economy and culture that they can take pride in. And so it doesn't mean that each of us who lives in Tucson has to be some hoity-toity gourmet. Uh, this is something where we can celebrate the great restaurants and and food uh producers that we have here, but it's more than that. It's really about the incredible cultural contributions that Tucsonans have made to North America and the world over 4,100 years of agriculture here. And we'll be bringing in scholars from other cities of gastronomy from around the world, particularly ones in desert areas, to see how we can innovate solutions to climate change and water scarcity and deal with the uh, nutritional and social challenges that are facing our food system. How did this come about? How did you know that this was something that you wanted to apply for and rally for? That's a great question. First off, uh, there has been maybe a dozen of us that have really been collaborating on this. So it's not about any single person or team or businesses effort. It's this wonderful, wonderful celebration of Tucson because business leaders, civic leaders, nonprofits, uh, university and, and high school educators have all been rowing in the same direction. So about three years ago, I heard about the city of gastronomy uh, designation that my relatives had received in Lebanon at a town called Zahle, which is the place where tapas and metze, the small plates, uh, began in the world and then spread to all continents. I was also helping New Orleans uh, recover from hurricanes Katrina and Rita and the BP oil spill, and actually first tried to help New Orleans get this designation because I thought it had to be like the magnet cities of uh, restaurants that UNESCO wanted. And UNESCO actually told us we really want to see cities that are using their food businesses to recover economically, to bring more food justice to a variety of people. It's not just about 
culinary arts. It's really more about how food is infused into the identity of your entire community. You mentioned food justice. How does that come into play? Well, we're in a funny place in Arizona. Here we have a 4,100-year history of Native American agriculture. Within our city limits, we also have a state where Native American farmers are the dominant farmers, ranchers, and herders that uh, manage more land for food production than in any state in the Union. And yet, people don't quite get that our heritage is so deep here. And that's because they think of Tucson as a post-World War II Sunbelt boomtown. And really, we have this deep, rich history that I think uh, spans many cultures and many ways of farming and producing food. And it's this contemporary feeling that KXCI celebrates with the diverse music you put on the air that we can also see in the diverse foods available in this community. More than 60 different food cultures are represented at Tucson Meet Yourself. And so that's not something to sweep under the table. One in six people working in Tucson work in a food, farm, or ranch-related business. So it's a huge part of our economy, culture, and identity. You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest is Gary Nabhan. He's the director of the New Center for Regional Food Studies. Well, the New Center was something that emerged when we realized that there would be this need to bring in scholars and artisans and food historians and food writers from other uh, cities. So we had an event in the fall to sort of test the waters where we brought in food writers from Iowa City and Santa Fe and Santa Barbara that are part of the Creative Cities Network to begin an exchange between uh, other cities that are really innovating in neat ways with book festivals and and lecture series and and extraordinary food writing like what we see in the Edible Baha'i Arizona magazine that is now the biggest uh, such magazine of any community in the United States. So the center was really um, formally designated the same day as the City of Gastronomy designation came into the mayor in the university's efforts to show the mayor that there were really places in town that would like to help and be in service to this larger community initiative. So we're an official partner to help do some of the research and documentation of how this designation is really changing Tucson for the better. And so we'll be doing annual reports that will be published in Edible Baha'i, Arizona, uh, about uh, the milestones that we achieve as we move ahead on this, food justice in particular. Can we help the poorest of the poor find jobs that help reduce their poverty and give them uh, more financial support to buy healthy food for their families? Uh, we have seven food deserts here in Tucson within 10 miles of a university that was set up over 100 years ago to help create food self-sufficiency within the state. So if we can't use this designation to really bring the poorest of the poor into a healthier uh, situation in terms of green livelihoods and, and nutritious foods, then I think we'll have failed. But I have the hope that we're going to see that this doesn't affect just 
uh, our uh, tourism venues, which I also hope will definitely um, be um, enhanced through this initiative, but also the people who are out on the street and the poorest of the poor in our community. Let's bring the whole community up and raise up the the great uh, talents and skills that are buried in our community now. Well, you know, some people say, what does Tucson have distinctive? It was very, very darkly funny to us that the first commentary outside of Tucson about our designation was from Phoenix, of course, showing a little bit of envy or jealousy, like, what does Tucson have that we don't? And, of course, we love to kid our friends in Phoenix about uh, the little rivalry that's gone on for about 130 years. But we're really the hub of sort of that innovation to bring back some of our ancient traditional foods, chiltepines and mesquite flour and uh, criollo coriani cattle, a range-fed adapted beef, uh, Navajo churro sheep that were really throughout the southwest at one time, not just on the Navajo reservation. And, and there's incredible innovations happening with people including foods like choya buds and, and chia and and other things that were anciently here back into our diets and into our uh, beverages. So white Sonora wheat, a wheat that the Spanish introduced around 1690 to Arizona, is now in breweries and bakeries throughout the town. And, and our uh, food artisans are getting a lot of credit for diversifying our foodscape and what's on our table. And I think it's a fantastic moment to live in Tucson. The downtown is going through a food renaissance. You can't miss it. It's palpable. And and again, we have at least a dozen festivals that feature ethnic foods and traditional foods and the stories about them. So this is at the heart of our identity, not just a sideshow. How can people become involved, just average Tucsonans, if they find they have an interest? Well, certainly pay attention to the food commission that the mayor set up in the fall because that's another benchmark. We're one of the first cities in the country that has a entire commission of about 25 active designated members that represent all parts of our community that are working on uh, food heritage, sustainability, economic viability. And we're really taking suggestions and insights from community members on where that should go, because that's the guiding body for the mayor on this City of Gastronomy initiative. Secondly, our new Center for Regional Food Studies will be downtown in an office on uh, Congress and Stone and uh, the UA downtown campus. And we would appreciate walk-ins to tell us your ideas. We'd, we'd like to set up a series of metrics or indicators of how Tucson is changing for the better because of the Food Commission and the UNESCO initiative. So we'll be counting the number of community gardens and uh, food bank and food relief drop-offs and uh, school gardens and how these are changing uh, our children's vulnerability to the terrible nutrition-related diseases like uh, diabetes and obesity. So we're we're going to track the positive changes and see how we can use those success stories to build other successes. And I think the big news for people is that when we look at what's happened across the country since the economic downturn, the Great Recession, whatever you want to call it, 
we're seeing that the communities that invest in startup food businesses are further along on their path to economic recovery than those who are ignoring the food sector and trying to attract big businesses from other states or whatever, that we see much more money stick in the community of independently owned businesses like food carts and catering services and microbreweries are then buying products from local sources and employing local people and farming out their linens and other needs to other locally owned businesses. So local Arizona first has been a powerful new force in Arizona that I'm sure many of your listeners already know about. And we're teaming with them on an annual Arizona Food and Farm Finance Forum that will be in May this year to really help the young farmers and food entrepreneurs, whether they're mushroom growers or urban greenhouse producers or aquaponics uh, uh, nerds that that figure out how to uh, grow food right in the heart of the city with new technologies that are adapted to hot, dry climates. So there's an incredible amount of innovation in our community below the radar that we want to get out, both through KXEI and the many newspapers and magazines in town. And again, we celebrate the kind of uh, innovations that we're seeing every other month through Edible Baha'i Arizona, because I don't think a lot of us knew just how many interesting innovations and creative initiatives are here right now. But let's talk about food justice for a moment. You know, we're coming out of a three-day forum and film festival, as your listeners hear this, uh, that includes a mini film festival at the Loft Cinema. Uh, It featured... uh, one movie called La Cosecha on the plight of teenage farm workers, most of them Hispanic, some of them that were out in the fields by the time of age eight, and the challenges that they're facing both economically, socially, and sort of from a a kind of post-traumatic stress of having to be uprooted and moved so many times. And we're also looking at uh, what's happening to restaurant workers and and young farmers and gleaners. And so uh, four films were featured last Wednesday. And then we moved into a two-day forum that, again, had some of the uh, best thought leaders on the plights of food service workers and meat processing plants and farm workers and how to take their energies and talents and incredible resilience and capabilities and change our food system for the better, making farm workers the future farmers of our state. We have more immigrants involved in bringing us our daily bread than ever before in Arizona history. Probably uh, harvesters and gleaners and farm workers from three dozen countries, from Syria and and Burundi and India and El Salvador and Guatemala, not just from Mexico. And we really want to see those people have the same rights and capacity to move up through the system as other Arizona citizens have. To date, we've had uh, state institutions that provide some services to Native American and immigrant farmers and farm workers. But none of them 
have full representation on the boards of our uh, state uh, departments in health or or in agriculture. Um, and the Farm Bureau and our Cooperative Extension provide services uh, to youth who want to be farmers, but they're not targeting Native American youth and immigrant youth to the extent that I think all of us would wish, including Farm Bureau members themselves. I've been a Farm Bureau member. So ironically, whites are no longer the majority of Arizona farmers or, or farm workers, however you want to define white. I don't like that term particularly, but I think people understand that Native Americans, Hispanics, and recent immigrants from Asia and Africa are playing a huge role in bringing us our food security, and we need to take care of those people better than what we've done in the past. This is a real social justice issue, and it's also a climate justice issue in the sense that now more than ever before, farm workers and gleaners are exposed to tremendously high temperatures with the heat waves we've been having as a result of climate change. And so there's health issues, not just economic and social justice issues involved in this. And so I really hope our center can encourage the community to support the many voices and faces in our food system who haven't been heard or seen by most of us, because I think it's our duty to take care of the people who bring us our daily bread, right now the people most likely to have to ask for food relief from a soup kitchen or food bank are farm workers and food service workers and fast food short order chefs and things like that. The very people that are feeding us are most marginalized by our industrial food system. You know, one thing that I think is obvious to most of us is that we use food to celebrate our um, identity, our community, our culture, our faith in so many ways that it almost goes without saying. If you're a Spanish-speaking Catholic, uh, communion and Lent and, and other uh, seasonal celebrations that, or, or weekly celebrations that remind us of our connection uh, to the world through food are of paramount importance in our lives. And the same is true with Native American traditions, first fruit harvests that happen with saguaro cactus or mesquite or pinion nuts or or certain fish that Native Americans uh, feel that are key to their identity and sustenance. And so one of the elements of this Food Justice Forum that we had last week is bringing together faith leaders, not just from Christian and Muslim and Buddhist and Jewish faiths, but from Native American spiritual traditions as well, to say, first, how can we take better care of the poor and marginalized in our midst? But also, how can we do what cities have done in the Rust Belt, Detroit and Milwaukee and Cleveland and and Chicago, of having faith communities be some of the leaders in reshaping whole food systems so that old schools get turned into uh, food production centers in places that don't have full-service groceries within five miles of them? How can we take the existing open space in a city and make it available for more community gardens or even for s small farms 
for immigrant farmers who are really capable at farming. They may have farmed in Sudan or Syria or Somalia before coming to Arizona, and they have skills we really need in our community, but they don't have access to the land now. So faith communities that own a lot of the property within urban spaces, the Catholic Church is one of the largest landowners in the Southwest. How do we make that land available to produce food and jobs for new immigrants to the U.S. who really want to stay farmers and orchard keepers and and livestock growers so that their skills actually are adding to our food security rather than them hitting glass ceilings and barriers where they can't do the kind of uh, agrarian work that has always been part of Arizona's heritage. You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today is director of the New Center for Regional Food Studies. That's going to be housed in downtown Tucson, right near Congress and Stone. Uh, It is largely through Professor Nabhan's efforts and a host of many others that Tucson has become the first city in the United States to be recognized as a UNESCO World City of Gastronomy, which everyone in Tucson is pretty excited about. I think, in a way, many Tucsonans did know in their heart that it was a very special place to be, but it's nice to get that acknowledgement. And it's what we do with that designation that matters. I think that Tucsonans should look forward to more food festivals and uh deeper and enriched exhibits at existing festivals like Tucson Meet Yourself. So we're going to plan a whole exhibit on the city of gastronomy uh, heritage that that brought us this designation at the next Tucson Meet Yourself that Maribel Alvarez and her gang runs. We're also going to see food interwoven into our great creative writing programs and our uh, musicians' uh, that bring so much joy to people through your station. And I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting exchanges, not just with scholars from Sakhle, Lebanon, or Ensenada, uh, Baja, California, the other cities of gastronomy in the deserts, but with food artisans, bakers, and brewers, and uh, distillers, and and uh, pastry chefs, and and all kinds of people in the food system that are bringing really deeply cultural expressions of their uh, food heritage to their own communities and might inspire more of that ourselves. So, you know, today we're blessed with things like the Mission Garden that Friends of Tucson's Birthplace has with this lovely orchard of Spanish heritage trees and native seed certs that I was one of the co-founders of over 30 years ago that has collaborated with the Tucson Public Libraries to have the largest interlibrary loan of seeds anywhere in the country. And we, we're we going to see this move beyond just celebrating those different varieties of food crops to the different recipes and preparation techniques and and uh, distillation and fermentation techniques that that have been embedded in our community for centuries and see new expressions of those uh, become public and accessible through uh, restaurants that are open every day of the year. So I think 
people are going to see a lot of excitement. It's going to touch them on a variety of levels of pleasures that they get when they taste something at Tucson Meet Yourself or the wonder that they have when they see six- and seven-year-olds at Monzo School uh, growing part of the food that they want to eat for lunchtime. So I think this is a really landmark moment in Tucson's history. That's what our Dean J.P. Jones called it. 4,100 years, the oldest continuous agricultural uh, tradition in North America is being renewed and celebrated in a way that perhaps will help us move ahead for the next 4,100 years. So it's a really exciting moment in time that rather than feeling like we're at the bottom of the barrel, we have some of the lowest levels of educational spending and charitable giving of any state in the country. Our our, uh, state government budget um, is not the driver of all this innovation. It's individual entrepreneurial uh, spirit and and community fundraising and and as you know uh, the many wonderful nonprofits like the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona and the Ishkashida Refugee Network that have just busted out and they're getting national and international recognition for their innovations and bringing healthy food to people here in an urban setting. And I think we're going to see more and more good things like what those organizations do touch us every day. You know, if you're interested in what our Center for Regional Food Studies will be sponsoring over the next uh, few months, uh, look at our uh, two websites, one which is foodstudies.arizona.edu, and the other one is azfoodstudies.com that talks about our community partnerships. And we're really focusing hard on uh, providing training opportunities for the underemployed and unemployed to get involved in uh, food businesses and farming for their livelihood. So we're offering seven different short courses out at the UA Tech Park by Colb Road on the east side of town. Those courses will also eventually be available online and in Santa Cruz and Cochise counties. But the point is that we're trying to give uh, intensive four-day short courses with some of the national experts and things like uh, water harvesting and uh, fruit growing in arid climates and food safety for hot, dry regions to uh, help guide our own populace into uh, new businesses that can both keep their families afloat economically and bring uh, diverse foods into our local food economy. You know, we have over 12 restaurants now just in the 10 blocks surrounding KXEI that do local sourcing of food and beverages from businesses within 30 miles of of the outskirts of Tucson. That's amazing. We didn't have that a decade ago. We only had one restaurant, uh, Janos Wilder's uh, uh, world-famous restaurant, and now people are innovating in many ways. Janos continues to innovate, and we're seeing this really strike a chord among many people, not just a few elite gourmets in our community. This food is more accessible than it's ever been in the last century within Tucson city limits. 
mesquite and cactus buds and saguaro syrup and prickly pear uh, margaritas and and bacchanora and and uh, acorns and all kinds of other things that have been eaten here for over four millennia are now back on the menus. That's a miracle. That's something that we can all celebrate and share with our family members and friends from other communities when they come to Tucson. We don't need to just take them out to the Desert Museum or to our, to one uh, museum in the downtown area anymore or up to Mount Lemmon. We can also say, let's do every meal that we have here with foods that are fresh to our community. Thank you for coming to visit us today, Gary Navhan, Director of the Center for Regional Food Studies. It's really been great to celebrate, and uh, we look forward to updates from you and your colleagues in the future. Well, let me just say that KXEI itself is a great regional feast, and we're so delighted that you're the leading voice in our community on many of these social issues. So bless your whole staff and your many volunteers.